2 Timothy chapter 3. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Every generation, it seems, when reading the third chapter of Paul's second letter to Timothy, says the same thing. Wow, we are there. Let's just take Paul's first warning attribute, lovers of self. Can anyone look back in their lifetime or even into history before they were born and not find narcissism? Throughout the ages, psychology has tried to adequately define the mind of a person who is madly, passionately in love with themselves. Those who are capable of translating their self-adoration into power become elitists. One should be careful here to note the fact that not all who become the best in their God-endowed gift or gifts are elitists. There is one well-defined characteristic termed in its polar opposites that separates elitists from other high achievers. Pride and humility. I would submit that pride serves to indicate the motivation of the elitist. Quote, I strive to be the best because I deserve it. And, quote, I want to be the best as compared to everyone else. Humility serves a similar purpose, defining a different sort of master class of performer. Interestingly, the humble simply want to be better than they themselves were the previous day. Their only competitor is them. For the prideful, there is no better measure of their level of achievement than money. In the mind of the elitist, 
the one who dies with the most toys wins. Furthermore, money is the symbol of power and control. The more one has, the more one can acquire. The elitist is rarely, if ever, content. The next three descriptors used by Paul, boastful, arrogant, those with nothing good to say about anyone else, descend from the last two. The apostle continues describing a direct violation of one of the commandments from Sinai, documented in Exodus 20:12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. While Paul writes of disobedience to parents, there is an implication that the parents have learned from Solomon, who wrote in Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents have an enormous responsibility to their children. On the one hand, the ideal circumstance has godly parents raising godly children. But what happens to the children of the ungodly? In this unfortunate situation, the responsibility shifts to the children. The chain of disobedience is to be broken. The choice rests with the child and those who see the child and choose to act. Nonetheless, the children must not dishonor their parents, whether godly or ungodly. It is remarkable that this particular commandment from God is the one with an incentive associated with it. Quote, your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God will give you. Three significant aspects are found in the incentive. Long life, prosperity in the form of blessings from God, and contentment. Paul inserts in the middle of his warning a word that describes an individual more destructive to the church than any other, irreconcilable. With one word, he is describing a person who is incapable of receiving the free gift of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. As he wrote previously in Romans 5, verses 10 and 11, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, 
we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And in 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In reconciliation, Paul is describing the essence of our existence from the moment God created man in their own image. Once Adam and Eve tore asunder their precious relationship with the Creator, our overarching mission throughout the ages is to reconcile that relationship. Success in that mission is made possible only through the scarlet thread, the blood of Jesus Christ. If we pass on that free gift, if we choose not to reconcile with God, we are doomed. Furthermore, Timothy and we are warned to avoid people who make this unfortunate choice. The alternative is the manifestation of incredibly bad fruit, including gossiping, being out of control, and exhibiting brutal and treacherous behavior. Then, in a single verse, the most diabolical and sinister characteristic is revealed. Holding to a form of ungodliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. In other words, Paul says that the primary cause of the difficult times in the last days is the hypocritical lives of Christians who outwardly look pious, religious, committed, and devoted, but are actually unchanged inside and have no power 
to overcome evil in their lives. Hypocritical Christianity. That is the culmination of the rest of the list. Immorality in the world is caused by a serious lack of authenticity in Christians. Darkness among the nations is an outgrowth of ignorance and darkness in the church. Whether we like it or not, among the last written words of the Apostle Paul is a giant mirror. The mirror is held before the Bride of Christ, his church. The reflection, if authentically seen by the church in Ephesus and by those of us in the church of the 21st century, must warn us of any, including ourselves, who fit any aspect of the warning signs. The call is to repentance. Warning signs compel us to beware. The last days have spanned multiple millennia. The world is watching.